It is Thursday, May 26th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who believes OTA stands for Order 10 Appetizers, J.P. Shadrick. Yeah, it's not wrong. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. Well, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We've got a busy show ahead. OTAs are here. Jeff Lagerman is here, as always. We'll hear from Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence and get their reaction to the opening of Order 10 Appetizers. And we'll go around the National Football League, as we always do. Plenty of news around the league. Some rules changes in terms of roster numbers for the practice squads and things like that coming up. Jeff Lagerman with us now. What's up, Jeffrey? It's all good. It's all good, uh, JP. Uh, by the way, what's wrong with appetizers? Not nothing, especially 10 of them. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way to go about dinner sometimes is, uh, you know, you get a sample, order about uh, five or six appetizers for a couple people, get a, a side salad, and you go. You call it tapas, and you can charge two more dollars. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's a good idea. Good idea. I'm a big appetizer guy. Especially when it comes to seafood. Crab like shrimp, cakes, shrimp cocktail. Shrimp cocktail, fried shrimp, mm. bang bang shrimp. I feel like I'm on Forest Um right Bubba. Seared tuna. Shrimp pot pie. Yeah. Shrimp hobo. Oh, yeah. All that. <laughs> so, we have plenty to get to. Organized team activities are here. Of course, the only session this week open to the media was Monday, and Doug Peterson logs met the media ahead of practice and explains uh, what he wants to see as the offseason program continues. I think just continuing to grow as a football team, uh, coming together, um, you know, as we build towards training camp, I think that's probably the number, the number one thing, you know, really is, is just building that cohesiveness. Again, the players and coaches are getting, getting to know each other still, you know, and, and um, you know, I think that's a, that's a big part of these next, you know, three and a half, four weeks, whatever we got left. So there you have it. Um, yeah, getting to know each other, taking it from the classroom onto the field. Uh, what would you think of the pace of practice and everything the other day? Well, it was good. and it, It's certainly a different pace than the rookie camp because the rookie camp is much slower. It's more methodical. There's more explanation where when the veterans get out there, and there, by the way, there were a few guys that were not in attendance. Uh, remember, the OTAs are voluntary. And most of the guys that weren't there had good reasons for not being there. Doesn't matter if they uh, have a yeah, good that reason doesn't or matter. not. But the tempo was much higher compared to the rookie minicamp because that's what you would expect. I mean, there's guys that have been around and been playing football for a longer period of time than just the rookies. And so the veterans kind of established the tempo. The rookies have to keep up. And uh, and I really like the tempo. I like the way that the coaching happened in practice there wasn't screaming and yelling there wasn't a megaphone telling you what period it was and remember to focus when you're not in and it's plus two and this and that it felt serious relaxed and a very deep teaching hour and a half that's the way it should be in the national football league and it was good to watch some of the guys that we haven't seen in a long period of time and it was good to see some of the guys that were hurt last year either working in practice or working on the side. It was, including Travis Etienne, who got hurt in the Full preseason, go. He of was practicing. Full go, and that's a good thing. Cutting, moving, running, jumping, the whole deal. 
Yeah, and he and he looked good. I mean, he had uh, he had a drop one time, but uh, look, uh, everybody has that. And uh, I think the thing that surprised me the most is typically when you have OTAs, there's the old saying that the offense doesn't run or hit come out of the gate as fast as the defense, because the offense is about timing and continuity and rhythm whereas the defense it's about speed athleticism aggressiveness which it's a lot easier to get to that speed as a defense compared to the offense but I thought that the offense held its own I thought Trevor looked very sharp besides the one pass that he ended up throwing right to Devon Hamilton on a kind of a he's trying to dump it off to Evan Ingram I think it was underneath and it's not a very Well thought out throw by Trevor in that case because he was thrown back to the middle across the body, not what you want to do. But uh, and number fifty two is a large human being. uh, Yes, he is between the five and the two. Uh, He is, and he did a good job. He caught it. It was great. Ran with it. Caught it. Ran with it, and the defense had a great moment in practice. Yes, so. And glad to see that Trevor didn't try to make a, a touchdown saving tackle. That stay away yeah. with the red jersey. Don't don't touch the quarterback. So yeah, good to see some of those guys. Good to see some of the new faces that are here. Obviously, the free agent guys. We got our first chance to look at Christian Kirk had a couple catches that uh, seemed to have a little something going. Do you buy the the whole building of a an on field connection now to pay dividends later in training camp and preseason? Absolutely, you do. I, I think uh, I think the timing, the relationships, the communication between quarterback and all of his weapons is critical to build at this moment. And there's a lot of guys that are getting reps because they're still trying to figure out who those guys are going to be once it starts coming down to kickoff time for a real game. But for the most part, they know who those guys are going to be. But it's an, it's critically important that those guys get the reps now, which is – Kind of surprising. I know we're going to get to around the league later on, but you've got other guys and other teams in the league that aren't having everybody in attendance like the Jaguars do, which, look, the Jaguars had the worst record in football two years in a row. They need to get the work together. Like the Ravens, for example. Lamar Jackson is not in the OTAs or at the OTAs. Tom Brady is doing some and then not doing others, but He's the GOAT. He doesn't need to do a lot of that stuff. But Trevor Lawrence and, and his guys, they need to get every rep possible for two reasons. One, it's a completely new system with a new coaching staff, and they need to not only to learn how to understand the new system, but also to communicate with their coaches and their teammates. I mean, that's the biggest reason why. And if you don't take advantage of that when you're a football team that hasn't been very good, you've got no chance. And so it's, it's good to see everybody out there. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL and Jaguars.com. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Let's hear from Trevor Lawrence, Jaguars quarterback on the start of the organized team activities. We've had a couple different phases now. We're back into competing against the defense, and um, that's a little easier to measure because you, you, know, you can put a grade on it. You can – say was that successful or not, you know, complete, incomplete, all those things. It's a little tougher on air. I think having those few weeks, though, to prepare and really master the system helps. And now, like today, I felt like we were pretty clean. Obviously, you're going to always have a few a few things here and there you want to clean up. But I really like where we're at. I feel like we're, I don't want to say ahead of schedule, but I really feel like we're right where we need to be. Um, the way that, you know, Coach Peterson, Press, all those, all of our, our whole staff has installed the offense you know, really strategically, and um, I really like where we're at, and the guys are picking it up great. 
the question to Trevor Lawrence here was, how do you measure um, success uh, building? Is it day to day? And how do you, as an offense and as yourself, how do you? And that was his answer. Well, and if you pulled thirty-two teams quarterbacks, they would all have a very similar answer. We really like where we are. <laughs> we're doing really well. Our tempo's great. We're uh, we're building a camaraderie. We're building towards the season. I mean, so everybody has a winning May, right? Everybody has a winning June. We're, we're undefeated in May and June. Absolutely. So, I mean, you ex- would expect some of the answers that he has, but uh, but it's good it's good to see the amount of, when you, when you talk about the brain power of the offensive side of the ball that they have there with Press Taylor and Mike McCoy and and of course Doug Peterson as the head coach, uh, Jim Bob Cooter, the passing game coordinator, there's a lot of guys on that side of the ball that are going to be able to provide some great insight into the offense and into the performance of the offense and into the design of the offense. And I think that's that's really a strong a really a strong thing about this offense and a strong thing about Doug Peterson's staff. The offensive side of the ball has a lot of really good minds and a lot of minds, JP, that have – very good experience, great experience working with the quarterback. In the NFL, yes. In the NFL, yes. not at some college school. Right. And that's, that's great. It's I mean, a that's big what deal. You, what you got to have. And the defense has some great experience too, okay? Not as much as the offense, and, and that's okay. Part of, I think sometimes, the one thing I think that you got to be careful of is that when you have when you have that many minds and that many people that you know I'm sitting here talking about the great virtues that they bring to the offense of the offensive staff you have to make sure and and I don't want to say be cautious but there needs to be a very specific set of marching orders and about job description because you can't have the the quarterback coach okay disagreeing with the offensive coordinator because he's been a head coach and he's been an offensive coordinator before. I mean, there's, there's, you got to make sure that, you know, the old saying, you can't have too many chefs in the kitchen. Okay. You need to have the one guy that's kind of the, the head of the, of the kitchen. And then everybody else has certain jobs and responsibilities to do. And of course you have the, uh, the master chef, I thought it was too many cooks in the kitchen. However you want to call it. Chefs, cooks, JP. Okay, the kitchens you go to. I've been in a lot of kitchens. They're, they're cooks. The kitchens that I go <laughs> oh, to. Oh, yeah, of course. With like Chef it's Gordon. a different level. Different okay, level. Like Chef Gordon the is white a chef. Hat, he wears whole, a white hat. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Me, on the other hand. <laughs> yeah. Great. But I, I, I do. I, I, I like <laughs> the, uh, the experience that the offense has. I think it's, it, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, there's there's a lot of bright minds on that side of the ball now, and if Trevor Lawrence doesn't have the ability or cannot find a way to soak in all of that or as much of that knowledge as possible, but I, but I believe that Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to to soak in as much as possible. And the one thing I want to see him out of him, JP, because you know the, we only saw the first day. That's right. And there's a long way to go in OTAs and then also. You have the mandatory mini camp coming up in the middle of June. But you want to start to see the leadership 
of Trevor Lawrence, the ownership of Trevor Lawrence in the offense. And that, and that takes time. That's not something that just happens automatically the first day that he's out there with his, with his new teammates and his new coaches. That's something that has to be built. The confidence has to be gained. But at some point you want to see that to where you see him starting to correct guys, starting to demand more of his teammates. And when you, when you start to see that, I think then he starts to say, yeah, okay, now, now you can feel it. You can feel how his ownership is making a difference. Hey, imagine this. We're going to have more from Trevor Lawrence coming up. Good. Jaguars quarterback and Doug Peterson, Jaguars head coach. We'll hear from GM Trent Baalke as, as well a little later. He joined John Ozer in the Ozone podcast earlier today. The Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season as – We uh, get ready for a great home schedule here in 2022. Lock in your seats, jaguars.com slash tickets, or call 904-633-2000. We'll return in a moment with a little defensive talk. Get Log's thoughts on the front seven especially, and all the new faces there for the Jaguars defense. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. excited about the future obviously we, we, we all learned a lot last year but being able to build on what we have now and really create something here something special um, I feel like we have a lot of the right people and that's that's what you need is good people and we got that so I'm, I'm looking forward to it that was Trevor Lawrence and that is the hunt tonight chapter three on the Jaguars YouTube channel and Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, but check it out tonight. And uh, I think it's a long one, like 20 minutes or something. I like it's nice. Behind the scenes access, you can't 20 minutes, get that's a else. long one? Yes. It's okay. a lot. I mean, they've been working on this for a long time. Max Hockman, our entire broadcast crew and, and digital crew, and um, it's it's um, it's that 20, 20 minutes, I mean, here's the here's reality, because... Uh, these videos that they put together have been fantastic. When you say 20 minutes, it's a long one. It doesn't feel long. It'll fly by. Oh, yes. my God. Uh, but it, it, it's access you don't get literally anywhere else. No, it's so. cool stuff. Uh, put it this way. I watch it. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Seriously, I watch it and Absolutely. I enjoy it. I yeah. mean, it's. Uh, I think it's very entertaining. I think they do a great job with it. The production on it's awesome. And congratulations to all the guys that contributed to do that because they do a wonderful job. So check it out tonight on the Jaguars YouTube channel about 7 o'clock or so. And uh, let's move along to defense now, Logs. A lot of new faces on defense mm-hmm. around here. Um, you know, draft picks, some free agent guys have come in. You know, it's, it's hard to tell on a lot of things right now because there's no contact going on. But what stood out the most to you on the defensive side the other day? Uh, I, th- I think first and foremost – some of the free agent guys that you sign, the big guys, it's hard to tell on them. I mean, because the big guys aren't pounding. You don't really kind of learn anything about the big guys other than, man, he looks really big uh, in clothes. But you'll find out more about them when the pads go on. But I, I really like the energy of a Luicon. The guy, he practices like I watched him on film, which means ton of energy, has never-ending energy, is always all over the field, and that was good to watch. Now, Fadakasi, big dude. Mm-hmm. You know, big dude. 
And I, th- I think the one thing that I want to see more of is that the guys that were drafted the last couple years that are that are in that position to, to have an opportunity to contribute for them to step up. You know, go back a couple years ago, Devon Hamilton was a third-round pick. We were talking about this before we came That's on. That's right, yep. And when you expend a third-round pick on the defensive tackle, you want to start to see some dividends. And last year, Devon Hamilton, I thought, took a step back. Well, this is a third-round pick defensive tackle. You want to see him take a step up. Okay, last year's fourth-round pick, Jay Tufele, mm-hmm. okay, didn't make much of an impact, was hardly active for any games at all last year. Okay, these are two guys that play the same position of Fadu Kasi, who you went and signed in free agency and gave a bunch of money to in free agency because you felt like those, the, maybe those other two guys weren't quite where you needed them to be at. If, if those other two guys are playing well, maybe you don't go out and get a, a Fadu Kasi. So I want to see some of these younger defensive tackles some of these guys that they've picked over the last couple of years, all of them, not just the defensive tackles, e- even you know the young safety they got from Syracuse last year. Cisco. Cisco. I want to see him take a step up. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the guys that are going to be the guys that either make this team better and help this team climb out of the hole that they've been in the last two years, or they don't. And they've got to find a way to get production out of these draft picks that they've had in the last couple years. And I'm not talking about just, okay, he's got a role because he's playing. I'm talking about being a significant contributor to winning. Winning. That's, there's a big difference between being a contributor and being a contributor to winning. Well, at some point, you just got you got to put Cisco on the field. That was part of the thing last year, right? Well, I, I they just didn't put him out there. You know, and look, uh, I, look. I don't really quite understand. I mean, he was coming back from an injury at Syracuse, and so you understand some of the, okay, we're going to make sure that he comes back and he's healthy and he's good and we don't want to put too much on his table. And there's always a little bit of a, an adjustment period for every rookie that comes in. So, and it's different for every rookie. And I, I think Cisco has tremendous ball skills, and you've got to find a way to get him on the field. No offense to Andrew Winger. Okay, but Andrew Wingard can't make plays on the ball like a like a Cisco. He can't. I mean, just look at the numbers. Look at the numbers of the opportunities that both of these guys had in college, and and I think those numbers speak very very loudly that Cisco makes plays on the ball, and that Wingard. I think the best role for him is as a sub safety, which means that he's a backup, and that he is one of your core four special teams players. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. He can have a very long career and be a very, very valuable piece to this football team in that role. Everybody's got to have a role, and I think that's the best role for him. Devin Lloyd, what stands out when you first see him running around with the veterans? We saw him at rookie minicamp, of course, but uh, then all of a sudden uh, here he is on the field with all the, the old guys. I, I thought he blended in a little bit. When I say blended in, which means that he didn't stand out as much with the veterans, just because it, it, there's a, a little bit of an adjustment period. You're trying to keep the pace and the tempo of the veterans who have been doing it for a little bit. And also you're trying to understand the tempo, the way that you're supposed to practice, and that the, the way that the veterans and the coaches establish that. So I, his athleticism definitely still stands out. But 
when you go from the rookie camp to where you just go, wow, that guy is really athletic and he really stands out. And then you put him around a lot more talented athletes and other talented linebackers. You're like, okay, he definitely fits in, but he's not standing out yet. That will come with confidence and and when he un- understands the system a lot more. But he's still in that learning phase. And remember, JP, the practice, the only practice that we all have seen is the very first one. And so that's just a, such a small sample size. And it's also the first sample size, which typically is something that is a little bit slower for the younger players. They're, they're still in the mode of taking things in and digesting them. Trayvon Walker was not in attendance on Monday in the open practice reports today that he was attending a funeral and is back with the team now. So we didn't get a chance to see him out there with the veterans on Monday, but hopefully next week uh, we will. Um, you know, then there's guys who've been around here for a minute, right? Um, you mentioned some of the middle round draft picks on the D line. But a guy like Caleb on Chazon, he's a first round pick, Logs. Like at some point, you got to get something, some more production out of him at that position. And now there's, there's all these new faces coming in at outside linebacker with Walker and Josh Allen still there. And, uh, you know, a guy like Chazon is one of those guys that well, really got to get something out of. Kalevon is, is going to be fighting for a roster spot. I mean, that's, I mean, that's plain and simple. I mean, that's you, you're, you're fighting for a job. I'm not, I don't think he's in the situation of, okay, he's fighting for, for playing time. Okay, because if he's fighting for that, who is he going to take time away from? Is he going to take time away from Josh Allen? Right. No. Trayvon Walker? No. Um, Smoot? No. Now, last year, he, he kind of split time with Smoot. Smoot clearly showed last year that Smoot deserves to be definitely ahead of Caleb on Chazon. And I'm not trying to – the down Caleb on Chazon, he just he has to take significant steps up in his game for him to earn a role as a regular contributor on defense. Fact. I mean, that's just the way it is. And right now, he is, I don't want to say he's low man on the totem pole, but he's lower in the pecking order than being a regular rotation guy because you've added to that position in the draft with a first overall draft pick who has a ton of talent. And so I think that that's something to what what you what do you say to be determined. He's got to earn it. He's good. He's definitely got to earn it. Now I thought he took a a step up last year, but it wasn't a significant step up. We thought early on that he was starting to show a significant step, but then as the season wore on, it was like uh, it's kind of okay. He's got to be better. He would be four and a half million uh, dead cap this year. I mean, they're not going to let him go. But so he's going to make the roster. Well, I, when I when I say he's he's trying to find a spot. Okay. When I say he's trying to find a spot, I, I say find a role, not so okay. much a spot. Okay. That's that's F- much different. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> and I should have explained that a little bit more. Okay. But I mean, he is a guy that's going to be fighting for a spot. Right. Now, would you would you cut a guy like that? I, I don't see that. No, first round pick. I mean, and, find a place for him. Well, you. Well, he's got to earn it. I mean, he just don't find a place. He's not going to be given a place. He's still got to. He's still got to earn something. But the the amount of money that he's going to get is guaranteed anyway. So you're going to have to pay him regardless That's whether right. he's on the roster or not. Mm-hmm. So I think that comes into play. So that gives him an advantage over a guy 
that even might be slightly better but would be a minimum salary guy? You sit there and go, well, I mean, he's a first-round pick. We can't give up on him after two years. we got to give him in a year three, right? So you're going to give him every opportunity getting better, but he's got to start to show that he's getting better. Yeah. you got to go out and play and, him. And where do you play him? Is he still a true outside linebacker? I think that's a great question. I, th- I think that's a great question, and I think that I mean, he's been an outside guy. I mean, he's an outside guy at LSU, mm-hmm. outside guy's rookie year, outside guy at year two. He doesn't strike me as stout enough to, to go put a hand on the ground in this defense. No, 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 no. no, 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 I'm, no I'm, I'm thinking out loud here, JP, and that, okay, the only other position that you would maybe play him at would be at, at an inside linebacking position but but they're stacked there right now too, yeah i don't know I, I think that's interesting so I, I i think you sit there and you go okay well first of all he, he, you need to find a way for him to get better at the outside linebacking position boy wouldn't it be great if he could cross train to where he could be one of those guys that could play inside and outside and then also you have to be a core four special team or when i say core four you know your four main special teams kickoff kickoff return punt and punt return that that's that's your core four special teams, okay? And when you say he needs to be a core four special teamer, that means that he's on every one of those units, okay? He has the speed, he has the power, he has the agility to play on every one of those units. So you would love to find or or you would love to see that he has the ability to be a, a core four guy and then continues to work at his craft at outside linebacker and finds a way that he can contribute, Plenty ahead, we'll uh, hear from Doug Peterson again on what Trevor Lawrence and the offense should look like at the end of OTAs. Plus, Trent Baalke with John Ozier on the Ozone Podcast earlier today. Busy schedule at Daly's Place coming up, Logs. Saturday, June 4th, the Jacksonville Taco and Margarita Festival. The Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald, June 5th. Two nights of the Dave Matthews Band, June 6th and 7th. The Black Crows, June 11th. Tickets at dailiesplace.com if they're available. Hey, does that Jacksonville Taco and Margarita Festival, they got mezcal and and tequila the, for the margaritas yes, there? probably. Just you, thinking out loud here. Options. Just thinking options out loud here. You. Just wondering. Just kind of asking. Salt or no salt? Uh, no salt. I agree. Yeah, no salt. I, you know, we get enough salt in our diet as it is. Don't, don't need any more. Plenty to come. We're back in a moment. We'll hear from Doug Peterson. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jaguars fans. You know, for him, just, again, staying comfortable and getting more comfortable with the offense. Um, you know, I really like his his dialogue with, you know, with Coach McCoy and Press and myself and, and things that he likes and doesn't like. And, um, just want to see that that growth in him here as we you know sort of wind down you know the off season and gear up for training camp. But you know he he's been uh, he's been focused. He's been here. He's he's been attentive. He's done a good job on the football field. He's a leader, uh, and those are the things that we want to continue now. You know as we head into training camp. That's head coach Doug Peterson earlier this week. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman, Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber along with us. And glad you're with us on 1010XLAM and Jaguars.com and the Jags social media channels, Twitter, which Logs is using right now, Facebook. He might be using that more, and YouTube. Do you think I, I use Facebook more? I Yeah, you're, you're of that 
um, you know, um, experience of life. Yes, All I right. think so. Experience of life. What are you trying to say? Uh, you're, you're of that age. <laughs> that's all. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Is there an age classification? So you, yes. So Twitter is for a certain age. Instagram is for an age. Facebook. Facebook is a different age. Absolutely. I think there are statistics on. Are you things. are you the metrics guy on I'm all not. this? I'm just. I don't know what those metrics are, but I'm guessing that. Okay, so give me g- give me your idea. Give me your idea of the age categories of these three different social media platforms. So I would say like Snapchat, which I don't have anything to do with, is super young, like teenagers to you know college. Okay, kind of right. Twitter's probably like college to you know my age. And how old is that? Uh, old enough. And then 40? 40, right? Okay. And then <laughs> I think the Facebook is like 40 to infinity. What about Instagram? It depends on if you like taking photos or not. I think that's probably younger. Trends younger. Okay. That's my guess. I don't know. JP's I'm view of the world. What do you think? So, no? so what would Joe be? Uh, since uh, you know, Facebook goes to my age. <laughs> Okay, Joe's a little older than me. He's the, he still uses <laughs> Pony Express. Popular mechanics. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. It comes in the mail. Um, so, JP, JP, you yes. know what? You're getting old now, okay? So you're no. starting to transition into this Facebook. Uh, I'm not getting old. Category. I'm just old, okay. I think. Just no. letting you know your Facebook age. That's what it is, man. Life happens. Reality. Life happens. Reality hits you in the <laughs> face sometimes. So I, the question there for Doug Peterson was, you know, what does this offense need to look like at the end of OTAs? Like, what is the the end game? What do you want it? When will you be kind of happy? And that was his answer there. And I think that there's a, there's a there's a lot of ways to measure success with an offense, but it's hard to measure success when you're when you're not really having a true measuring stick, do the measuring. You know what I mean? And that's why sometimes the offseason can always be a little – it can mislead you sometimes for, for lack of a better way of describing it. But the one thing that you want to see with the offense is that the components that you have to start gaining a, a strong understanding of the offense to where – and what I mean by that, is that people are more functional when they're confident and in the know of what they're supposed to do. Athletes can perform better when they're not thinking about what they're supposed to do. Yeah. They're just performing. They're just reacting. They're just being athletic. Quarterbacks can perform better when things become second nature. So all of the components of the offense – work better with great experience and great repetition. And that's what you're trying to gain in the offseason. Now, at the end of an offseason, are you going to be able to fix a grade and say, okay, you know, we, we're, you know if, you're, if you're Doug Peterson, well, you know, we're hoping we will get to level 10 at the end of the conclusion of the offseason. But, well, we got to like level eight and a half. Is there a way to measure that? I think that's an interesting question, but I don't think there's a way to truly measure it because – you haven't, and the coaches haven't seen these people perform. That's right. It's so what's the time. expectation? Yeah. So I think in a lot of ways, 
they're venturing, venturing into the great unknown and that they're not sure what a lot of these players can do because they haven't seen them in person. They've watched film, but some of them are very young and haven't been put in great positions to have success yet. So I, I think that that's a, that's a, it's a very open-ended qu- question that has a lot of different ways to answer it. Yeah, you, you got to see what a player's capabilities are before you can really craft a scheme or a, and, something around him. And here's a, here's a perfect example. Okay, Travis Etienne. Yes. Okay, you, you want to you want to get him involved, right? He's a first round draft pick last year who was unable to play because he ended up having a Liz Frank, which is essentially it's kind of a midfoot sprain. He had surgery surgery to fix it. Now he's back. He's been cleared to do everything. Okay, but what is your expectation for him? Well, he's a, f- a high first round pick, so your expe- expectation is is that. He's going to be a significant contributor to offense. But the reality is, is that you haven't seen him yet play in, at the pro level. Okay, so where, where do you expect him to be when you haven't seen him perform yet? Mm. And, and I think that that's part of what you need to find out this year. Okay, you, you would love to have this great role for Travis Etienne. For example, last year, with Urban Meyer and the offensive staff, they had they had this vision for Travis Etienne of being this X factor that he's not just a running back that you hand the ball off to. He's he's doing routes. Percy Harvin. So you got J. Rob in the backfield, and you have Travis Etienne split out wide. So essentially, kind of like a tight end where you get a mismatch, where Etienne can get him. You can get him in space and get him against the linebacker who can't cover a guy who runs four four. Well, is that the same vision that that Press Taylor and Doug Peterson and Mike McCoy and, and Jim Bob Cooter, is that the same vision that they have for Travis Etienne in this offense? I don't know. Who knows, yeah. And you can't tell from watching one practice so far. This is something I think that's going to evolve, but I, but I think it's an interesting question. Where do they see him at? And where is the expectation for him to perform at? Because he's a first-round pick, we all kind of have these high expectations. Sure. But the reality is, is that we haven't seen him perform yet. So can we, can we have a reasonable expectation for him? I mean, I think we all have a certain level, but where is that level and what's, and what's reasonable? I don't know. You know, it seems like at least the one day we saw him, there was no issues with the foot. Yeah, he, he, lo- he looked good. Go, yeah, he right? lo- I mean, he, look, he looked like he was moving okay. Did he look like – put it this way. Did we look at him and go, boy, that guy's really special? Did you get that impression? I mean, you know he's, he's got something. No, 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 no. JP, did your eyes, when you watched him. Well, I mean, considering what they're doing out there. Exactly. Like, exactly. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to say that that's a negative. I'm right. just trying to say that at this point with what they're doing. Right. And with, I guess you could say, how much he is opening it up. You're not you're not seeing where you go. Wow! Right, he's not like Whoa. shaking five guys and running eighty yards. Yeah, right now. you're right? not going to see that until real games happen. So, but hopefully. I mean, at some point you you're going to want to see that when it's live. But you know, I think it's a, it's interesting because you know there's so many different components to this offense that you sit there and you go, okay, and you have a vision or you have this thing imprinted in your mind about how guys can contribute. Mm-hmm. Evan Ingram, okay, we're in number seventeen. When you when I first saw it, I was like, "Who's that guy wearing 17? 
<laughs> Boy, DJ Chart got big. And I was like, wow, <laughs> 17. I mean, right. it, and, and so I looked at the back of the jersey and I saw Ingram. I said, Ingram, who's Ingram? Oh, yeah. And I was like, he got a haircut. So Evan Ingram got a haircut, got me fooled, okay? Look, and, and he's not a real big guy. And in fact, if he was if he was over working out with the wide receivers, and, he, and if he stood next to Lavisca Chenault, you go, "Dude, check out the size of those two wide receivers." But when you see him over in the tight end group, you go, "Is he with the right group?" I mean, because he's not a real big guy, but I think he's going to be very good for a, a quarterback. Dan Arnold looks good. Dan Arnold looked really good. Sure, he does. I thought. So here's another thing. We, we mentioned earlier defensive line. It's hard to tell. You know, they're not moving guys around. That's certainly the case on the offensive line, too. We haven't touched right. on these guys yet. Um, but there's a couple things that you, you you see Brandon Sheriff for the first time in person. Impressive. Physically. Right. Yeah, well, look. He, Those guys are impressive. I think Walker Little's trimmed some weight down a little bit, looks like. Well, and what we, what we saw on Monday, because Cam Robinson wasn't there yeah. for whatever reason, uh, doesn't matter, but so you know we the expected competition at right tackle with Walker Little and Juwan Taylor. Well, Walker Little was playing left because Kim Robinson was not there at practice, and uh, Tyler Shatley ran with the ones at center. You know your draft pick Fortner uh, from Kentucky. You know watched him at practice. You know got an up close personal look at him, and then uh, oh by the way, I'll get to the game film that I watched of ah, him ah, in a minute. Yeah. I like this. But in practice, there was a lot of guys that were lined up in positions that they're probably not going to be lined up at once you start doing stuff for real. So, uh, but I will tell you, if Jawan Taylor better have a a little bit of a different mentality this year because this competition for right tackle is not drummed up. This is real. And he is going to be fighting for a job. When I say a job, a starting job, okay, not necessarily a roster spot. I don't want to, okay, I don't want to yeah. get you confused again, JP. Okay, just making sure. And I think that that's going to be interesting to watch. T- Tyler Shatley, I think, is going to be the starting center until he's not. And at what point will that be? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought earlier that it might take some time. But Fortner's a very smart player. Watch the film on him this week. What'd you watch? What'd you watch for? Like, okay, if, if you were going to watch, if you were going to watch one Kentucky game, and you wanted to see Fortner go against the best of the best in the SEC, which yeah. game would you watch? Well, considering this, Kentucky is in the SEC East, mm-hmm. which means every year they have to play the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia had the best defense, so I would want to watch the that one. game. That's the one, and I went and watched that game. Because that's the best defensive line. I mean, you're, you're, you're essentially watching Kentucky play against an NFL, future NFL caliber defensive line. Okay, three of those guys got drafted extremely high in the first, well, all of them, three five, first round picks. Five first round picks. Five on five. the defense, three on the defensive line, correct? It's crazy, right? Yeah. And here's the crazy thing. Okay, well, here's really what's crazy, JP. The best one that they got up front. Still in Athens. It's still in Athens. <laughs> We're in number 88. Jalen Carter. <laughs> That's crazy. How did he fare like against these guys? I thought he did really well. There, now, there was a couple instances where Jalen Carter okay, threw him a little bit. It happens. It, it does happen. But 
the overall performance that he had in that game, I thought, put it this way, after I watched that game, it changed my thinking about when he could become the starter. Okay. After watching that, okay. he's strong, he's aware, he's smart, he's got very good balance, rarely if ever on the ground. He uh, plays the game, I think, with great adaptability. So, in other words, when and, – and Baselli was one of the best guys at this and because Tony always – understood what the player that he was going against was or was not. For example, if he was going against a guy that had great power, okay, he's not going to try to finesse the guy. He knew that the guy was going to play with power. It's, it's understanding your opponent. And when you watch Fortner play the game, and especially against Georgia, you could tell that he understood the assignment. He understood the players that he was assigned to block. So he knew how to approach them. And I thought he did a very good job. And it wasn't perfect because Georgia's got some really good players up there. But I thought it was a, an excellent performance. And here's the thing I think that was a little bit surprising in that game. Because you're watching Georgia and Kentucky play, here's a great opportunity at watching Trayvon Walker. He's on that team. Yes. Uh, he had a quiet game in that game. I mean, he was okay. But it wasn't one of those games where you go, Phew. You know, that guy, he was really good. It was just kind of an okay game. But I will, I will say, Fortner had, a, had an excellent game. And it made me, and I liked the size of him. When he blocked 99 for the Georgia Bulldogs, which is a player that sometimes, which, by the way, he was the uh, what overall pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, uh, and what's his name, 99? It was 95, which went to Green Bay. And then he had 99. Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. 15th. 15th. And then 90. Oh, 13th. 13th. Sorry. Okay. And then 95, who went to Green Bay late in the first round when everybody was thinking they would take a wide receiver because they wanted to appease Aaron Rodgers, but they didn't. They took number 95 from the Georgia Bulldogs, the other defensive tackle. Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt. Okay. Fortner did a very good job on both of them. But man, when Jordan Davis wants to play sometimes in games, he can tear everybody up but he didn't he did not against Fortner Fortner handle him that's good news very good Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, because he's going to be playing a guy like that every week that's right um we'll come back in a moment we'll uh, look around the National Football League we'll also hear from Jaguars GM Trent Baalke who visited with John Ozier earlier today on the Ozone podcast this Jaguars happy hour on the Jaguars digital network As evaluators, we can't get caught up in, in the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're, we're caught up in the Jimmy's and Joe's, if you will. And it's something uh, you say a lot. You bring a player in, and it's up to the coach to use him, right? Yeah, you know, one phrase I, you know, I take from Coach Parcells all the time is you can't coach the team. When you're a GM or you're an evaluator, it's not your job. It's not your role. Let, let the coaches coach and find players that fit what they want to do from a schematic standpoint, you know, and, and trust that – 
once you give them a player that can do certain things, they're going to ask that that player does those mm. things and keep them away from things that he maybe doesn't do well. And that's, I mean, again, it's just the collaborative effort that you go through to make sure you're getting the right players that fit your, your, your organization from a cultural standpoint and a physical standpoint. That is General Manager Trent Balky on the Ozone Podcast earlier today, available now on Jaguars.com. Click the podcast link at the top of the page, logs, or subscribe on the official Jaguars Podcast Network on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. And leave us some comments and a five-star rating while you're at it. Why yeah, not? That five-star would be good. Hey, an interesting comment there by Trent Balkin. And one thing that I would I – would, because uh, he talked about how when you, when you give a coach a player, you want to make sure that he's doing the things that he does best, which is true. But the one thing that I would add to that, and that sometimes what happens in the process of working with a new player, there's a a discovery part of it. When I say there's a discovery part of it, you may learn something about the player that you didn't know from working firsthand with him. You may discover that he also has a skill set that might be good at doing some other things, that might be doing – might be doing things on top of what you evaluate. Say, hey, look, he really does X. Well, look, he also might do X and Y and then F really well. So you could expand or even you would understand that maybe you thought he does X very well and what you envisioned him doing for you. Well, then you get him and you say, well, he can do X, but he does Y better. I mean, sometimes there's things that you don't know about a prospect that you learn while working with him. And so I would add that to Trent Balking. That's part of what the coaching staff role is. Because, and when he says it has to be a, a con, what did he say? The, what was the term? Collaborative. Collaborative effort. Yeah. Very true. Because it's not just about, okay, here's the player and he has to do this. The coaches also have to be able to look at the player and say, Look, we really like what he does and what you kind of envision, but we also like him in this role. It's up to the coaches to end up making that decision. Let's take our weekly look if you're watching on Jaguars.com or Jag social media outside of TIAA Bank Field at the Football Performance Center construction process. There's some walls going up. They're moving some more dirt around. They're digging a couple of big holes in the ground for apparently pools in the uh, one part of the center. And uh, we're, we're on track, man. There we go. Um, 2023 training camp. They'll be ready to roll. That's, uh, that's a lot of work. A lot of work. And I, I can tell you this. Uh, they're working incredibly hard. Uh, JP, I don't know if they're – I mean, they work from early in the morning until well into the evening, weekends. They've been going. And there's a lot of people putting a lot of hours in to make that happen. It's looking good. Looking forward to the final product as well, and uh, not this coming training camp, but the training camp after. And uh, there's the renderings. There are the renderings. Yeah, yeah. The renderings are, are are really neat. It's going to be one of the best in the league. And there's uh, there's some great ones in the league. I remember years ago when when I went to the Atlanta Falcons facility, mm-hmm. and the Atlanta Falcons would I mean they were on the cutting edge. They had this new expansive facility that when you looked out, it, it looked out on these giant expanse of fields. And then you had 
all of these apartments mm. wrapped around the field down at the bottom. Like, what in the world is all that? Well, that's where they all stayed for training camp. That's right. They had housing for players, for staff, and uh, I was like, wow, that's different. And then we had the opportunity not long ago to see what the Minnesota Vikings did. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. Wow. That's impressive. This yeah, will be The equal. arms race has entered the NFL. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the Jags are, are in it now, which is a good thing. Uh, let's go around the NFL quickly. Some uh, big nuggets from around the league from the Associated Press. The NFL said Wednesday it will appeal a ruling denying a request to move John Gruden's lawsuit against the league from a public courtroom into a closed-door arbitration. So it stays in the public court. Uh, Gruden's lawsuit accuses the NFL of leaking his emails to force him to resign last October. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, the league is not happy about that decision. I can I can assure you of that. They were, were hoping that it would be moved behind closed doors. Colin Kaepernick got a workout with the Las Vegas Raiders yesterday. No word yet on how it went. He hasn't played in the NFL in over five years. He had a free agent visit with the Seahawks in May of 17. Threw in front of some NFL scouts at halftime of the Michigan spring game this past April. Of course, Jim Harbaugh is there. Last played with the 49ers in 2016. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting situation to watch. Could, uh, could a team – I mean – for. If, if I were to pick the perfect place for Kaepernick with his skill set, because he's a, I view him as a running quarterback, I mean, wouldn't a great fit be Baltimore behind Lamar Jackson? I mean, wouldn't the scheme fit him perfectly if he were In to theory, have to play? If he can still run like that? Yeah, I that. mean, if, if he could do the same things that he once did. Can he still run like that? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Five years out, it's a long time. Some league rule changes. Players designated for return from the reserve injured list uh, are now four games, not three, to come back on the on the regular roster. It was and the numbers change too. You, you're allowed, I think, eight eight players, eight players that you can bring back from injured reserve. Practice squads are now 16 players, up from 14. You can elevate individual players from the squad to the game day roster a maximum of three times per season now, rather than two. Yeah, and, and, and that's smart. You should be able to do that. I mean, if you've got them on practice squad, why would you not have the ability to utilize them for, for competitions? I mean, it just makes no sense. And here's the other reality. The league, the original design of the expanded practice squads was, was a reaction to COVID. COVID. Okay, well, now that I don't want to say they're beyond COVID, but they're still dealing with some of the, the implications, ramifications of COVID, it's still there. But here's the reality. There's two other leagues under spring. The league wants to make sure that they keep more roster spots open for players. That'll do it for our program today. Brent Reber, Joe Fortunato, that's Jeff Lagerman. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. We'll see you next time. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.